You're listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kamajis, a licensed clinical social worker with a multi-state online therapy practice. I have a passion for empowering women and mom therapists to break free of the fear, overwhelm, and oppressive systems that hold them back from taking action and building the private practice of their dreams. My goal is for you to boldly believe in yourself as a clinician and business owner. If you're looking for a place to learn practice building strategy and skill while also claiming your own power as a woman and a therapist, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, but before I do that, I want to put out kind of a call to action to any listeners who are currently licensed in Hawaii. As you know, the recent wildfires on Maui have caused immense devastation, destruction, and trauma to the community. I'm currently working to provide support to therapists on the ground there on Maui who are on the front lines of dealing with the trauma the community is experiencing. They themselves need their own therapeutic support. So if you are licensed in Hawaii and are interested in being added to a list of providers who are able and willing to provide counseling to therapists on Maui, please email me at ashley at raisetoempower.com. Now to get on to our guests for today, who it, this is actually very timely as I'm reading this introduction um, about you know the trauma going on on Maui. I'm really excited for my guest, Jenny Hughes. She is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of trauma and PTSD. As a clinician, she practices EMDR, cognitive processing therapy, and prolonged exposure therapy. Jenny has published a workbook designed for clients to use on their own or with their therapist called the PTSD Recovery Workbook, which can be found on Amazon. Through her clinical work, Jenny has been able to also support helpers and healers through the common experience of vicarious trauma. As the founder of the Brave Trauma Therapist Collective, Jenny helps trauma therapists go from feeling drained and demoralized to energized and empowered. Members of Brave work with Jenny to become more aware of how to identify and overcome vicarious trauma, allowing them to thrive in their personal and professional lives. Jenny, I'm so excited to get to have you on the show as a guest today and to get a chance to share you with my community. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me, Ashley. I'm so happy to be here. And this is such a timely episode that we're doing. If it's not one trauma, unfortunately, there's some other kind of trauma that's happening, you know, at some other point in in the world. So this is not a topic that's going to fade and, and be like, oh, well, that was for that time. No, there's always something. And especially in the work that we do as therapists, it's definitely important. Um, important conversation. Well, and whether we identify as a trauma therapist or not, we're all working with stress and trauma. And so that's another reason I think that this episode is so timely is going to be helpful for so many people because in the work that I do, especially with the Brave Trauma Therapist Collective, like, yep, we are talking about and addressing vicarious trauma, but even more so we are working on identifying and enhancing something called vicarious resilience, which is such a powerful gift that we get in our work um, and through our work with our clients, but it's something that can be really hard to pick up on, especially if we're feeling drained. 
which I know so many of us are as women, as moms, as therapists. So before we dive into kind of talking more about vicarious resilience, I always ask guests to kind of share a little bit about how they got to where they are. Cause I always think it's really interesting the different paths and journeys we each take to get into our work. So how did you go down the path to saying, I think I want to become a psychologist and I want to do this work in trauma? So I'll answer the psychologist part, part first. Sure. Um, I, I I often refer to it more as like a me search approach. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was one of those college kids, like freshmen in college who I declared psychology as my major day one. And I have this memory in college of being in orientation and whoever was leading it was like, none of you probably know your major yet. And that's totally fine. In my head, I was like, mm, I do. Like, am I weird? <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the time, um, I really wanted to help teenagers who were struggling with substance use and abuse mm. because that's where I had come from. Yeah. And so it was that me search thing, the wanting to like give back to others that had been through perhaps similar experiences. Um, and through kind of just the work I was doing in undergrad, like in my psychology major, um, I actually started working with kids and teens as like a therapeutic mentor. I was called a youth advocate. Mm. Yeah. And that was really kind of my first introduction into trauma. I worked with a number of kids who were in foster care. Um, and then, you know, our career just takes us in so many paths that we don't, yeah. we don't anticipate. Um, and so certainly there's such a tie between substance use and trauma, sure. but, um, as an undergrad, my brain wasn't really able to make those connections. I think for a lot of reasons yeah. and like partially kind of defense mechanisms to protect sure. myself. Sure. But my career started, um, you know, down that path. And I loved working with kids who had really had to overcome a lot. Yeah. Um, and so then when I started grad school, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. So then I was looking for advisors and and I was looking for people who were doing work in childhood trauma and, and child abuse and neglect. Um, and was really fortunate to find amazing people to work with and to inspire yeah. me and to train me. Um, and now I actually primarily work with adults again, like weird twists and turns in our yeah. careers because I was trained <laughs> as a child psychologist, but working in the area of trauma is something that I feel is a real, um, it's a privilege that I yeah. get to have as a clinician. It's a choice that I've made, but also something that has kind of been given to me as a gift um, yeah. in the work that I do. And I love being able to work in trauma and to walk alongside people as they're navigating this journey. Sure. I also have a background in trauma work in my training and in my practice. And there's many times I walk away from sessions just kind of like in awe of not like to toot my mine or anybody else's horn, but just kind of not in awe of like what we are doing per se, but in the privilege that we get to be in the position that we're in where people are coming to us with sometimes unnoticed wounds or like these deep wounds that they aren't even really aware of. And when they start to share, sometimes it's for the very first time. Sometimes they've never told somebody this. And 
you know, I'm always, I always just feel so honored and privileged to be like, you, you're letting me hold this space for you. Right. Like, cause that's not something that, you know, they may feel comfortable doing with, with just everybody. So yeah, it's definitely, um, a special line of work to, to get to be in that space. And that right there, Ashley, is vicarious resilience, right? Mm. Is that awe that you are describing. Yeah. Um, and just the um the amazement, I think, that I hear you're you're describing too, of like, wow, this person is trusting me with this. Yeah. Um, just last week in one of our calls for the Brave Trauma Therapist Collective, we were talking about that. And one of our therapists was like, I just had this client tell me like all these things that she said that she's never told any other therapist and they've been in in therapy for a long time and what an honor it was for this therapist to receive that. And like you said, to be able to hold that with the client and for the client. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a real, it's a real honor and privilege. And yes, it is one of those things where, you know, people will ask, how do you how do you listen to this stuff? And it, mm-hmm. I, there are times where you just leave drained because not because you don't want to, but because it's heavy stuff, right? Like it's really, yeah. really heavy stuff that, that we're dealing with. So I know you work a lot with therapists around vicarious trauma, but I think what we're going to focus on today is vicarious resilience, which I'm really excited to learn more about from you because I don't, that's not something that we typically hear about. Again, we hear about vicarious trauma, but the vicarious resilience is something I think we absolutely need. <laughs> and if we don't know what it is, we um, need to to learn about it. So for those like me who don't really know that, what that term necessarily means, like, do you have, I guess, maybe like a brief definition or something of it? Yeah. So I often think about vicarious trauma and vicarious resilience as two sides of the same coin. Right. So vicarious trauma is like the stress that we're soaking up just naturally in our work. It is a natural part of being a therapist, a trauma therapist, however you describe yourself. Sure. Vicarious resilience is also a natural part of it, but it's soaking up those those small and those big moments of aha, of resilience, of just those moments in session where we get those warm fuzzies and we're like, yeah. holy shit, I can't believe I get to do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is the vicarious resilience. And it actually wasn't even a term until like 2016 oh, okay. um, when there were some researchers who were actually actually doing a study with um, therapists who worked with survivors of torture and they were not expecting to find positive things in these qualitative interviews, but they found that these therapists kept talking about how amazing it was to work with these clients and to, to see the ways that the clients were able to overcome these incredible traumas. And so they coined this term vicarious resilience. And so it's that soaking up of the good stuff, the soaking up healing and the progress that we get to see in our clients. And one thing that's important for me in the work that I do is to help therapists be able to pick up on all the little tiny pieces of vicarious resilience that we Mm. get on a daily basis, because we can't just hold our breaths for those big moments all the time. Sure. And, and it's, it takes a lot of practice, but it's something that can be really, really beneficial and kind of refueling our cup when we're feeling like we're running on empty. 
So is it something that we as providers need to be like conscious of and actively, I don't know, actively doing or like, like practicing in some way, or is it something that just kind of happens naturally that we may not be aware of? So I think it's a bit of both. And I think it starts out, um, it happens more naturally. We're maybe not as aware of it. And we can become even more aware of it through intentional practices. So as I was, I kind of called it earlier, warm fuzzies. And that's a term that my my one of my clinical mentors and trainers in grad school would call it. Um, I think that's something that most therapists are familiar with. It's whenever sure. we're having this strong, positive emotional reaction in session with someone. And it can be over something small, right? Or something mm. that it maybe doesn't seem to be positive, but is. So like, for me, one of those is when clients show up and they're like, I do not want to be here today. I came, I am here, but I don't want to be here. Yeah, And that is actually a moment of vicarious resilience because I get to be like, cool, awesome. You showed up. Sure. And and we can even just talk about that, right? Or it can be these bigger moments. Um, I had a client recently who she just has had recent like tragedy after tragedy. And um, she had something really, really powerful happen in her life. Yeah. And on some may not think it's a great thing. I think it's wonderful. I'm really, really happy for her. And I got to share that moment with her and tears came to my eyes because I'm just so, I felt so connected with her and I'm really, I'm happy for her. So that's like a big moment of vicarious resilience. Right. And so they happen naturally. And I think we naturally notice them, but we don't have the opportunity to like using EMDR language, install and enhance these moments. Mm -hmm. So that is the work that takes the practice and the intentionality of, okay, so how do I start to really kind of like mark when these moments happen for me? How do I like install it and, and pay attention to it? And then how do I allow that positive energy, those warm fuzzies to grow for myself as a person, as a therapist, right? So that I can really benefit from that energy. We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter Comprehensive Connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug and send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. So just like we, there are different protective factors that we look to enhance or, you know, support in clients is vicarious resilience, a protective factor from vicarious trauma for us, or is, does it not quite work that way as a provider? Yeah, it absolutely is. So I think it is both a healing factor and can be a protective factor. Okay. Um, It's interesting when we think about protective factors for therapists and specific to vicarious resilience, 
what we know from the research, it almost seems counterintuitive because there are variables that make therapists more or less likely to experience vicarious resilience. Okay. Their own histories of stress and trauma are actually going to put therapists at greater advantage of experiencing vicarious resilience. And typically we think about histories of stress and trauma as a risk factor. Right. But for therapists, it can be a protective factor and can enhance our experience of vicarious resilience. Now we have to um, then do our own work to be careful about that and not over-identifying, crossing boundaries, things like that with clients. But what researchers are thinking is that when we have our own histories of shit happening in our lives, we can relate to our clients in different ways. We can pick up on vicarious resilience in smaller ways. It's almost like we appreciate the small wins. And so then we can really kind of fill up that vicarious resilience cup. So it helps to heal us. It helps to protect us from future experiences of vicarious trauma. So you talk about like noticing that this is happening, right? Like noticing we're having that kind of warm, fuzzy experience. What are ways that we can, as you say, download it, like input it into us? Are there things that we can be noticing or actively doing to help facilitate that? So there's a number of things. The first skill that is coming to mind right now, and it actually also helps kind of um, with vicarious trauma stuff as well. I call it a soft transition at the Mm -hmm. end of your day. And it literally is just taking like a sticky note. Some people like to do it in a notebook. So they have kind of like a running tab of this, but it's supposed to be really short. And all you have to do is write down um, three good things that happened, right? So there's a gratitude practice in it. And when you're thinking about vicarious resilience, it can be helpful to think about, okay, what are those little moments of vicarious resilience that happened today? So write down three of those things. The second part of the soft transition is a little bit different, but write down three things that you know that you need to be prepared for the next day, just so you can kind of get your brain going. And then write down maybe one to three people for whom you're grateful that day. And maybe even like write a little thank you note if it seems appropriate or send them a thank you text. And so it's like really marking, installing that vicarious resilience giving your brain something cognitive and logical to do to prepare for the next day. And then really, truly sharing that thanks, that gratitude with someone. And that can be a really quick and easy, but powerful way to install that vicarious resilience. And then the sharing it with someone actually helps to enhance it too. Because, you know, like when we are doing trauma work, a lot of times it's kind of easy to in, in safe spaces, share that stuff and kind of unload with other people. And that is really, really important to our own health as therapists, but we don't really create spaces to talk about the vicarious resilience and to enhance that. And so that's where the giving thanks or even having someone that you want to tell about the vicarious resilience. That's something I love being able to do in brave is like, I just reach out. I did it the other day with that client I was talking about earlier and I dropped into our Um, group and was like, this amazing thing happened. And it really helped me to hold on to connect with that and then to make it stronger. Well, and I think, you know, for a a lot of our listeners, many of us are moms and, Mm -hmm. and many of us work from home. And the challenge that I know so many of us experience is that transition from work to home. We are home, but, and like, I, 
I love not having a commute, right? Like I never want to have a commute again, but it is, there's not that transition space that Mm -hmm. we used to have when we were traveling back and forth to an office. There's not that moment to decompress. And so I love this idea of this practice and it doesn't have to take very long, but Mm -mm. I can easily do that. Yeah. Just at the end to be like, okay, let me think about this stuff, reflect on it and take a few deep breaths before I have to open that door and go out to the crazy. Yep, exactly. And I am in that boat as well. I just had my second child and um, am just returning from maternity leave. And I also work from home. My commute did increase by like 50 feet because now my office (laughs) is in a building outside of my house in my backyard. (laughs) But nonetheless, I still, there's not that drive home where I can listen to my podcast or call whoever I want to call. Right. Um, And I've created transitions in other ways when it's not a million degrees out in Houston, I will walk my dog at the end of the day. That's kind of my commute now. Sure. Um, But yeah, we have to be really intense intentional about this and do it in ways that are going to fit into our lives because even three to five minutes can be a big ask at times. Like I don't have that. Right. And so, um, giving ourselves grace when we have to do it later or scrap it and start over again tomorrow. Sure. Do you personally keep it in a book to like reflect back on, or do you tend to use kind of like the single piece of paper? I, so I've done both. Um, Actually, during COVID, I um I was pregnant with my first child and yeah. I had these heart sticky notes that I just happened to have. And it was sort of a different practice, but I would write whatever I was going to write on that and I would stick it on the side of my desk as yeah. sort of this like almost like running tally of like yeah. lockdown, but trying to ex- experience gratitude. Yeah. Um, and now I actually, I use a notebook and, um, have that to kind of, I don't really look back into yeah. it, but I know it's there. That yeah. makes sense. It's like a marker of mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, even if I don't look back, like I know that this is holding these exciting things that have happened or these really yep. positive things that have gotten me to where I am right now and being able to continue to do the work that I'm doing, because I mean, you hear so much from so many therapists, whether you are a trauma therapist or not, the burnout in our profession is real. And so mm-hmm. it's very easy to neglect taking care of ourselves. And so I think things like the work that you're doing were to highlight, you know, Hey, this is hard. <laughs> like acknowledging this is hard, but there are ways to care for ourselves that doesn't have to look like doing a full yoga meditation or going, you know, taking a day off from work, which we all need, but it's not always feasible for people. Yep, exactly. Now I know you have an upcoming training. I think that you're going to be doing with a colleague and that you're going to be focusing a bit more on the vicarious resilience in that. Can you share a little bit about what's coming up with that? Yeah. So um, my colleague, Betsy Byler and I are doing our second annual Braving the Course. I'm so excited that we now get to call it our annual event. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's actually happening tonight because this is coming, this podcast is coming live the day of our event. Um, And so there's still time to sign up as long as it is before seven o'clock PM Eastern on Monday, August 28th. (laughs) Um, 
But Braving the Course is an event that Betsy and I put together last year, and we're doing it again. And it really talks about the intersection of substance use and trauma, which is interesting because it harkens back to where I began and to where I am now. Betsy is just such an expert in the area of substance use. She's also a trauma therapist. And she teaches in Braving the Course about how do we address the substance use that is in the room when we're doing trauma work? Because Mm. substances are a great way to deal with our trauma until they're not, right? And so we are seeing substance use in our work, but a lot of times we don't have the skills to be able to even just address it and bring it up. And so she teaches about that. And then I teach about acknowledging vicarious trauma, but really I focus in on vicarious resilience because it's such a powerful tool for us as therapists and is applicable no matter what your specialty is. And so in our training and braving the course, there are these two ways that we balance out, okay, we're doing difficult work. We're working with trauma. We're working with substance use. And there are ways that we can really thrive when we're doing it, because when we notice those little things, the little moments of progress that our clients are making, that's the way that we can keep doing this work and love it, keep loving it. Right. Well, and and to have, um, again, that that awareness, because if you don't have that, like you, like we were saying, like the burnout is going, <laughs> it's yep. going to happen. So how can you keep doing this work that is very meaningful and that you want to keep doing, but you have to be able to have the strength and mm-hmm. the energy and the the mental and physical capacity to keep to keep at it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And they and we want people to know that they don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think a lot of times as therapists, it's like our job is to protect things, is to keep things private. Um, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily have to do this work in isolation, right? Yeah. And so when we're able to come into spaces together, that is so uplifting as well. And so sure. coming to something like Braving the Cores, we're going to have like a 30-day replay. So even if people are listening to this after August 28th, you can Perfect. still actually go to the website that we'll put in the show notes to register. And you can watch the replay all the way until September 29th. Oh, awesome. Um, and get our, our workbook and things like that. Cause we want this to be available to people and accessible. Yeah. No. And especially if this is happening live the night that this episode goes out. So <laughs> yeah, if you're listening and you're like, I can't make it tonight, you still, it sounds like we'll be able to, to register and um, mm-hmm. to still access the, those materials, which yep. this is work that is so needed. And I know, you know, I'm a bit familiar with Betsy's work and I know what she's doing is just so important for us as therapists, again, to just, it's awareness for us too. And how do we support our clients? Then I love the part that you bring in is again, how do we protect ourselves, but also not just again, protecting from vicarious trauma, but how do we build that resiliency as Mm -hmm. part of our, our work in this area? Well, we will definitely have the link for the, the registration for that training um, in the show notes and definitely encourage people to go check that out. Jenny, if people want to connect with you, um, where would be a good place for them to find you? The best place for people to find me is just go to my website at braveproviders.com. 
And there's lots of information about there about all the different kinds of work that I do um, and links to my free vicarious trauma tracker, links to the Brave Trauma Therapist Collective. Um, It's all right there, just braveproviders.com. And we'll have that linked um, also in the show notes. Jenny, it's such a pleasure getting to chat with you. For those, like, I'll put this in at the end. For those that, uh, you know, don't know Jenny, Jenny and I have, like, connections that we didn't know we had until, like, we started to connect about a year ago. We both lived in New Orleans for a period of time. We, like, have been internet friends for a while <laughs> through our work and finally got to meet up this past year at Mardi Gras. So I love being celebrate Mardi Gras together. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And so it's great to be able to connect with colleagues and friends in the work that we do. It really Jenny, is. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.